Welcome to Succeed in A&P, a podcast dedicated to the sharing of ideas, best practices, teaching tips, educational solutions, and other exciting topics in anatomy and physiology. I'm Valerie Kramer, your host and the marketing manager for A&P here at McGraw-Hill. We've all heard many ideas for success when teaching online and even more so today, so I had this thought that it would be great to hear from an expert to share her best practices about online teaching. So that said, I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Lynn Preston. Welcome. Thank you, Valerie. I'm happy to be here. Hope I can share some great things with you all out there and let you know this is my very first time on a McGraw-Hill podcast. Very awesome. Is this your first podcast ever? Actually, yes. Very first one ever. So here's your spotlight, and hopefully this won't be your last. (laughs) No, hitting some milestones today. That's right. (laughs) Well, Lynn is an instructor at Tarrant County College Northwest in Fort Worth, Texas, which is a beautiful place. So, Lynn, let's start out with you sharing with the audience more about yourself, what made you want to get into education, and even more specifically, A&P. Okay. Um, Let's see. My background. Bachelor's in biology, master's in genetics, and a PhD in molecular biology. And I got all of these degrees actually knowing I wanted to teach college university level. Um, Eight years old, my dad had a friend over and introduced him as like Dr. Smith. And so I'm like, oh, a doctor, you know, like medicine. He goes, no, I'm a doctorate doctor, a philosophical doctor. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And the way he explained it was this. He goes, I know a lot about one particular subject. And I'm like, that's awesome. (laughs) And so I already was leaning towards science, already had a science aptitude, and it was very nurtured in my house. And so at eight years old, I'm like, I'm going to be a PhD in biology of some sort. And Ended up doing molecular, and from there was teaching up at UNT and also at Texas Wesleyan. Was headhunted by Tarrant County College to teach AMP. Thought I'll go down a semester in adjunct, make a little extra scratch. And <laughs> by the end of the first semester, just fell in love with not only AMP but the community college system, and I've been there ever since. Oh, that's fantastic. So what do you love most about anatomy and physiology? I mean, that's a great story that you always, not usually people fall into teaching. They don't plan to do it. That's wonderful. Yeah. But let's see, what do I love about anatomy and physiology? I mean, it's it's us. It's it's how we work. It's how we tick. It's, it's, I mean, What is not to love about understanding the way that we work? We are such a perfect system. There is nothing really random about the way we're put together, about our processes, and just understanding how that works is amazing. And seeing people, all these students, understand what's happening little by little and getting the knowledge down, it's it's just a great topic. And, and honestly, every single semester, I get questions I have never gotten before. 
And so okay. usually to- other topics you will get, you know, routine questions. You know, this is what I'm going to, you know, cellular respiration. I'm going to get questions about how the mitochondria works and what's that structure design like. But big picture AMP, every single body system, somebody manages to amaze me with a question I've never heard before. Love it. Um, that's great. So it's kind of like a new semester every semester. Well, I mean, it is a new semester, different yeah. students, but... It really is. And for a topic to where not, you know, not much changes, we're not going to find a new bone or discover a new organ. Yeah, we'll find new processes and figure out new functions. But for something that is almost pretty static, as opposed to other sciences, it's wonderful to get those process and physiology questions that you've never heard before. Mm -hmm. So those students are actually challenging you every semester, too. I really are. Today, this afternoon, somebody asked me how conjoined twins happen. And I'm like, whoa. Well, first, let's finish, you know, nephrons, and then I'll talk to you about that. <laughs> Interesting. So one of my favorite things to ask instructors is about teaching philosophy. So if you could sum up your philosophy of teaching, what would that be? Oh, my gosh. Uh my teaching philosophy, I like to be relatable. Um, I think that helps. I think going in and discussing, hey, when I was learning this, this is where I had problems, or this is how, this is the mnemonic I came up with in high school to remember this, or giving them examples from my own life. I'm very open about my medical history and things that I have going on. I share all my surgery pictures and Things like that. And so I, I think being relatable and being open, not just with my physiology, but also, hey, when I was a student taking this class, this was so challenging for me. Uh, letting them know that we all go through it. And, and there is an end game. There is some, you, you will make it to the finish line, but I guess relatability. Yeah. You know, to try to make them less intimidated, not just about the topic, but coming to the instructor and getting help. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make them comfortable. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So uh, you're currently teaching online courses in AMP. So can you share with us how it is different than being face-to-face in the classroom and then also how your classes work? I know you do some of the lecture or the lab in person, but you do the lecture all online. Yes, I I have two formats of anatomy and physiology I teach for TCC. And the first one is the lecture is 100% online, but the lab is on campus. And then the other format is an accelerated one. It's an eight-week hybrid. So not only is it eight weeks long instead of 16 weeks, but 50% of the lecture is online. And that one I do is a flipped classroom. So starting with the online, since this is where really what we're talking about today, the online class and environment it just couldn't be more different than an on-campus environment. I mean, first off, I don't have... I, I don't see them. They don't have the, you know, almost the luxury of coming and having a lecture. 
I don't get to see their faces when they don't understand something. I don't get to, you know, hear the immediate questions when we go through material. And so these are things that you just kind of have to plan. You, you, you know this is a challenging topic, so instead of just presenting it, present it and then back off. You know, here's, okay, we just went through, how you know, filtration in a glomerulus. And so let's sit back and talk about what happens when, you know, the filtration rate slows down or speeds up. Because you know those are going to be areas that are an issue without a student being able to tell you they're having trouble. So taking that experience you have in the classroom and knowing where you might have some challenging bumps in the road and incorporating them into the course to begin with is probably one of the best things to do for an online course. Great. So would you say that's the biggest challenge you face is not being able to have that connection with the students, you know, that physical knowing who they are and seeing them? Or what would you say the biggest challenge you have is? Well, the biggest challenge is the students not really reaching out until it's too late the students struggling with things, and me not really seeing it because all I'm getting is their work coming in, which sometimes isn't always indicative of them having problems. It depends, about, it depends on how the work is designed. Um, but hearing from them, you know, a month before the semester's over, going, well, I didn't understand anything, and this was so hard, and I'm sitting on a D and I have to have an A. What do I do? And so on campus, I, I can, you know, watch for that better. I can see their confused looks, their anxiety in a class when they're sitting in lecture with me. Online, it's, it, you, you have none of that. And students are sometimes reluctant to reach out. So that's probably mm -hmm. the hardest part. So how do you overcome that? Do you really convince them to reach out throughout, or do you have any yes. kind of office hours? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I have weekly online office hours. I reach out via email. Um, I'm constantly putting announcements saying, hey, this is really challenging. So when you get to this portion of the topic, you're not alone. If you're having trouble, reach out to me. Also, making sure that the assignments, are a lot subjective and open-ended. Um, a lot of things that are just yes, no, or this is the exact answer, I can't tell if they're getting it or not. And so a lot of my questions, they may be silly, but they're open-ended enough to where I can really see if they understand it. Like for endocrine system, it would be something like, name your favorite hormone produced by the anterior pituitary and then discuss what would happen to overall homeostasis if you suddenly overproduce that hormone. And so it, it's open-ended. They could pick, you know, one of nine different hormones and it's showing me that they understand it. Whereas if I just said, what is the hormone that, that you know, your gonadotrophs produce? You know, all 48 students have the exact same answer. I can't, I can't see if they know it. But this way, getting these open-ended, I can really start seeing if students are having problems. And so that's probably the best 
like tip I can give for someone teaching online? Open-ended questions. Yeah, fantastic. Because you have to keep them engaged somehow and you can't, you don't have that eye contact. So that keeps them right. actively participating. Mm-hmm. And right. usually in an online environment, you have to have some sort of discussion board, some sort of threads and posting to kind of mimic that in-class discussion between students. And if you have just one question that you're going to get 48 students all answering the same way, it's hard for them to interact. But this way, you could, you know, you can have so many different answers, and not only is it demonstrating that they understand the material, but it's peer-to-peer teaching and learning as well. Absolutely. So there's an incredible amount of content to cover in the A&P course. We all know that uh, that's a challenge out there. So do you find it more difficult to cover all of the material in the online course versus the classroom, or do you find it to be about the same? Oh, it's about the same. It's it's as horrible no matter what format, <laughs> the amount <laughs> that we have to cover. <laughs> um, and so it, it, I'm going to say it's about the same. And so it, it really depends on the assignments you give them, the tools that they can use to help them learn, just how well they're getting that detail down. Mm-hmm. What types of digital or otherwise tools do you utilize in your online and in the face-to-face. I really love Learn Smart. I have loved it since the inception of it. Um, it. It is amazing for many different reasons, but one of them is relating to what you just asked me, getting that detail down, because that adaptive and intuitive nature of Learn Smart, making sure the students are getting that detail down, they got it down, check mark, move on to the next topic. This topic is a little tough. They're getting it wrong. Let's back off the bloom, maybe start it, just remember. And then once they're getting those questions right, build it up to evaluate and create and really make sure that they're getting the nuances of these details. There's nothing that I really put out there that is going to – be able to make sure the students are getting that detail and all the content down, like Learn Smart. And so I highly depend on it for my online, for my hybrid, and for my traditional classes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yes, and utilizing that um, and with with all of those students, it's great to see that you can see results from all different types of forms. Oh. Yeah, very much. Not only that, and it's pretty much writing their own study guide or showing them where their weaknesses are. And so mm-hmm. for the online students, so especially the online students that are reluctant to reach out, I'm not seeing them, they're not speaking to me, you know, but Learn Smart can pinpoint, hey, you had 20 topics to master in this week's lesson. Here are four of them, specifically that you were having issue with, and here's where to find them back in the book. Here, you know, they can go back, and I always reach out. I'll look through their Learn Smart data report, and that's usually how I reach out to them. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, you, you know, 80% of this chapter you were golden on. I see that there's this little 20%. Have you gone back over it? Do you want me to walk you through it online? Or And so it is a godsend in helping me streamline how to help my students. 
Yes, because otherwise it would be very challenging to figure out who's struggling and where. I mean, that and it, helps and you usually, that's a that's a decent part of your office hours because a student is not going to know what they don't know. They're going to come mm-hmm. in and say, "I'm lost. I don't understand any of this chapter." But Learn Smart will pinpoint here where here's where your weaknesses are. Here's where your strengths. And so mm-hmm. they can come into my office hours, I can pull the report up, and I'm like, okay, let's get to work on what you don't know. Instead of me spending 20 or 30 minutes trying to pull out information from them or going line by line at the, the end of chapter material to figure out what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So perfect, perfect tool. Awesome. Okay, so do you have any – those are I – mean, those. you've already told us some stories, but do you have any other <laughs> – stories or uh, about some of the teaching techniques that you've tried that have worked or maybe that haven't worked? Uh, I love the Learn Smart and the Smart Book that have helped yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Smart Book's great, too. Let's see. Things that work and things that don't work. If I, if I rack my brain, I'll probably have a ton. That, <laughs> that, that, you know? <laughs> but the main thing is what I feel is it's such an organic class that Every semester, I try something new. I, I will try something new. You know, it's like spaghetti. I throw it against the wall. Does it stick? We're going to keep it. Not, you know, I tried it once. Let's go away. I've tried doing quizzes in class on paper. I've tried just doing online through Connect quizzes. I've done Learn Smart as just extra credit. I've done Learn Smart as part of their 20% grade. I've done essay exams. Oh, I don't recommend full-on essay exams. Uh, Not only was that super anxiety-inducing for my students, but it ruined my weekends because all I was doing was grading. Um, But, yeah, a few essay questions, awesome. Not full 100% essay. So I, I tend to vary how I teach how I assess every single semester. I just change it up. You know, it changes as my, the the demographic of my student changes. It changes as I start changing and getting more, I've been teaching at TCC for 14 years, you know, but, you know, I'm getting more confident in each topic every time. And so that changes as I start getting new anecdotes, as I start, reading journals and finding new data and research and studies, it changes how I teach. So my best practice is keep it changing. Hold on to what mm-hmm. works for as long as it works and get rid of outdated, boring stuff that isn't working anymore. Yes. Well, is that is there any other advice that you would give to maybe instructors that are just embarking, you know, Weekly office hours, constant communication, discussion board, Uh um, great tools, try new things. Is there any other advice that you might give to an instructor who is just embarking on an online classroom or uh, maybe he's done it a long time and needs to find that change? Do you have any other advice? One of the things I incorporated early on, and I add to it every single semester, is don't discount using other people's work. I jumped on YouTube, and I will put on, you know, TED Talks and links for, like, crash course topics in AMT 
there are so many wonderful A&P channels on YouTube that sometimes they're wonderful. And I put them under a section on my course called additional resources because I can pull out five or six little snippets of here is someone explaining this, myself, a colleague, Crash Course with Kevin, a TED Talk, a Can Academy, and the student can go through each of them, and maybe it's not until the sixth one that it clicks. Maybe it's the first one that it clicks. Sometimes all it takes is hearing someone say it differently for a student to get it, because a lot of people I see, I'm going to record me doing all of my lectures and put them up, and it's just the instructor, which is fine. But ever so often, you know, you need to hear it in a different way, you know, said a different way by a different voice, something to get it to click. So utilize other people's work. Like I said, throw up Can Academy and TED Talks and and everything you can find because it just may make the difference in a student understanding a topic versus not. Absolutely. That's great. So uh, the question is, do you miss being in the classroom uh, for all parts of your classroom? Do you miss the, um, or do you like the online experience? I, I like how I do it. I like the way that Tarrant County College has allowed me to format these classes. I think if I went 100% online, just me and my personality, I would miss the, the interaction. Um, I love having all of my labs on campus because it's the hands-on for AMP that is so important to the future careers that these students are in AMP for. But I, yeah, I and in lecture, I don't know. I mean, it's great to have this different format, and it's it's the way we're heading, and it's how students are learning now. But. Personality-wise, I need at least a little bit of one-on-one -on -one interaction with them. Yeah. So I don't think I will ever give up, a, you know, being in the classroom entirely, mm -hmm. but that, that's just me. Well, and you mentioned you love the community college setting that you're able Gosh. to reach. Yes. A vast yeah, amount of different student types and... And, you, and, and yes, and I think most of us in anatomy and physiology find this anyway. Most of our students, are they are so dedicated. They are so serious because when they get into AMP, it's one of those classes right before they get into their program, whether, you know, whatever, allied health, nursing, whatever they're trying to get to. These students are serious, and those are the fun ones to have in science anyway not the ones mm -hmm. that I just need this for credit and move on. But at the community college, what I found was a whole slew of a different demographic of students that I just love. Not only, I mean, they, they're serious, they're dedicated. A lot of them, this is their second career. They've already, you know, gone and done something for 10, 15, 20 years, raised a family. And they realized, you know, all along, I've, you know, I've been a banker for 20 years, but my heart is really in medicine and always has been. And so now it's my time. I've raised my kids. I want to come back and be a nurse or a doctor. And then they come to the community college to start. And it's just amazing 
to be able to help a student get that goal. Absolutely, and so rewarding for you. Very much so. It's so great to see this. And, you know, community college is one of the best places to start your education. And, like, with TCC, you know, we were a first choice. You know, people, yeah, I could do four years at TCU. I could do four years at UNT. No, that most students, you know, their mindset is, well, I'm, I'm, I get to do two years at TCC, then finish up at TCU, mm-hmm. UNT, UTA, whatever. And so it's, it's a great place to be. Yes, and the online platform, you're able to reach a lot of different students that may or may not be able to have the time. They might have a second job or work full-time. Right. Yes, yeah, so that's that, great that you're yeah. able to reach them. And that's one of the wonderful things about all of these online tools that we now have to help these students. It's not just locked in to an eight-to-five schedule, you know, that they have to come to campus at any time, day or night. They can pull up LearnSmart. They can do a Connect quiz. They can go through SmartBook. They can do APR. So it's a great time for all of this technology Yes, fantastic. Okay, good. So thank you so much for sharing these tips and this advice. I think this is going to be very motivating for a lot of instructors out there and maybe those that are preparing to put their course online. So Lynn, would you like to share your Yes, would you like to share your email address in case we have listeners out there that might want to ask some questions or reach out to you? Certainly. So my my work email is Eileen. E-I-L-E-E-N dot Preston, P-R-E-S-T-O-N, at T-C-C-D dot E-D-U. Awesome. Well, it's always awesome to uh, talk with people like you who are the real experts out there. And it's so fun to learn your story and be able to share that with everyone. So thank you for being here. And uh, thanks for everyone out there listening to Succeed in A&P, and I hope this found, you found this episode to be very helpful. And in fact, if you did, leave us a review, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher for even more A&P teaching inspiration.